What's up? What's good, everybody? It's your boy Oxford here, coming in with another episode. Uh, we've got a good guest today, a special guest, an awesome guest. But first, we've got to open the doors, the double-wide trailer, because his ego's got to fit in. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Sweet D. Willie. Sweet! How are you, bro? Bro, I'm loving my new voice. You're welcome. I'm sounding smooth. You're welcome. Smooth. I gotta play some, hey. some, some, uh, some sexy 80s, gonna get that woman bed songs. <laughs> I want to hear some WAP. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. We won't touch that one. That's uh, that's a little too rated R for us. That song is so bad. Anyways, man. So it's uh, we're getting into the week. Uh, we're gonna do a little early early recording. So just to kind of let everybody know, uh, we're doing this a couple days earlier so we can get in some good uh, uh, change ups. And we're gonna change the tone, the sound, kind of stuff. Got some new programs, so that hopefully should come to your ears so much better. And also, we worked with Sweets because he sounded like he moved from a tin can now into a proper recording studio. So, congratulations, dude! Very excited, very excited. So, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. You're welcome. We're, you. we're playing the music. Stop, stop, stop talking. No, I'm joking. Um, all right, man. So, listen. I always like to do a recap, kind of new news, old news. Um, so, again, we went down, kind of like going back to my roots nostalgia all the fun stuff that we always bring up in the game uh podcast um you know for gaming so uh, one of the cool things is is when we bring on uh developers or ceos or whoever we get to kind of see behind the scenes of kind of their thought process and why they've come to the table with this idea why they've ventured into this idea and what they look to possibly gain and i don't mean rags to riches monetary but like people do things like this because it's a passion project and i know that we're gonna keep promising uh you know we'll talk about your venture through this and what you were gonna do and what you've tried to do and how far you've gotten um but uh, we got a treat for him. We, we got do. a treat for him. This this podcast. I'm excited. You've been, you've been speaking about it because I know you're you're excited. This to me, I'm not gonna lie. This to me is a very exciting thing because honestly, this is roots. Like it's 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 roots in the proper way of this is a, a, a fundamentally the game that I grew up loving, but with a twist. And um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to bring you into it because I know you've never driven down this path of gaming. Um, cause just because we've talked about your past gaming experience, and one of these days I'll suck you into one of these, you know, this server or something with this kind of play style. So, but uh, but anyways, how's everyone going? How's TT update there? Uh, we got to hear her from the Among Us uh, last week that we played, which was fantastic. Thank you guys uh, for showing up. She's a little salty. Uh, you sold her out. Remember that? You voted her off the island. I dude, I fired her out of a cannon. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I'm ruthless. You put me in that position. I'm like a rat in a boat that's sinking. I'm going to, I'm going to bite through you. She held her own though. She did. She held her own, even though y'all jumping on her like some hyenas. I will say she plays better than you. I'm sorry. Damn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So without further ado, that's the catch up, but let's get to the now. Let's get to the now. Let's get to moving forward. Um, there's a little game called, and I say this as I do air quotes. I wish I was on Twitch doing this because you could see me. Can I say it? Can I say it? You can. You can outlands dude uo outlands uh we have the man himself owen uh thank you man thank you for taking this time and giving us this opportunity to kind of talk with you and uh get your story out there um so uh, hello how are you hi i'm good thanks for having me dude our pleasure our pleasure i this like is... that intro the air quotes outlands it's the best bro because you know what it's so funny because how do you explain <laughs> nice how do you explain what a shard is um, so if I come to you and you're like pitching the game to me and I'm like, you're like, Hey man, I got a shard. What, what are you like a glass shard? How, what, what is, what does that mean to you and what you're doing? I think, I mean, I generally start with like, you know, have you ever heard of an MMO before? Or, you know, have you ever played world of Warcraft? Cause this is kind of like the original world of Warcraft. Cause that puts it into, you know, familiar terms that gamers context. are, you know, aware of. Yeah. Context okay. in general. So, so before you go farther, that's that's good because I like I like your thought process. So let me stop you first because we don't do things with like structure here. Again, I've always <laughs> pitched this to people. When I pitch it to you, it's like guys hanging out, having a coffee, which I am right now, or having a beer. We want it very kind of lax, but I think it is important to start off with who you are. Like, what are you in in the organization? What, what like uh, maybe your background? A quick, you know, just who are who's who's Owen, right? Sure. 
So I'm one half of the founding team of Outlands. Um, about five years ago, I started dabbling in um, map making for Ultima Online, having played Ultima Online since it was originally released, or close enough to, in 1999. So I am one half of the creative development team, founding team of Outlands, which is a, a private Ultima Online free shard that was founded nearly two years ago, or launched nearly two years ago. Okay. And and what's your, your so your primary role um, is is like the map maker in this position uh, now? I, or? I guess from a creative sense, my primary role is map maker. Which great but, map, by the way. Love the map. Thank you. And thank, thank you for you. opening up more uh, housing, by the way, just recently. Thank you. Yeah, secret housing. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. I know, um, right? it's out. So basically, I would describe my role as doing everything but coding. Okay. Okay. So I'm the lead administrator officially. Um, that means that I'm in charge of the other staff, community management, um, everything from running the business in terms of uh, finances and legalities, all the way down to you know settling petty disputes between players and, and helping them find their lost room book. No, that that does so. not ever ever hopefully someone's reading that sarcasm ever <laughs> happen in any <laughs> PvP game, especially Ultima. Um, well, that's very cool. Yes. Okay. Now you said half now, um, is it the better half or is it just humbly <laughs> the half? Um, you know, cause I mean, you, I know you do a lot. So just real quick also guys, just, just for some clarity here. Um, Owen and I have never actually had any official discussions beforehand. Um, I just, I started playing on Outlands. I actually, I was telling him earlier about, I almost have a two-year-old account, but I got on, I didn't really quite understand two years ago what they were trying to do. I thought it was Ultima Online, so the original, and it wasn't. Um, came back, revisited it. The community is absolutely, um, probably by far one of the best communities next to my Albion community. Um, and it's really funny because, you know, I get along with a lot of the PVPers and I, I always told, don't, don't stream it. They're going to, they're going to roll over you. They're going to, they're going to find you. They're going to consistently kill you. You're going to hate your life and you'll stop playing. Cause that's what I've heard from other <laughs> Twitch streamers. That wasn't the case at all. In fact, most of the major PVPers are streamers and I've got along with them very well. Um, so just, you know, and that's why we're talking with him because I actually do currently play the game. I am currently vested in the game and I stream it. Um, I've stopped just recently because I've had some stuff going on. I can't dedicate so much to it, but I, I, I play behind the scenes and I do love the game. So there is a little bit of bias here. Uh, so I wanted to put that out there. I do enjoy the living hell out of the game and, and we'll get into that at the latter part as to why it is such a special game, but back to why, like why you're doing it. Cause that's really why you're here. Right. Um, so, so, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing, first off, we like to do with the, the, the guest is your top five games, top three games, right? Like, give me your top three games that made you, and I know you said Ultima and I'm so happy to hear it was nine. Mine was 97, I believe when I started playing it. Um, so we're pretty close in age, I would assume, or slightly. Um, but, uh, what, 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 what molded you to do what you're doing today? So your top, like best moments in games. I mean, like we always try to find something like that, but I guess with you, because of what you do, um, what's the top three games you love and, and, and why? That's a really difficult question for me to answer actually, mostly because I'm a terrible, terrible gamer. So <laughs> okay. I, Sounds like we got something in common. Mm. <laughs> oh, I really haven't played anything else for a long time. Um, my focus has definitely been on creating Outlands and, you know, modding Ultima Online mm -hmm. for many years now. If I ever do need a distraction or I want to do something really mindless, I tend to gravitate towards like simulation games, like, you know, Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 or something really... Love, love that know, game. Hey, love that's that game, my game right there. Love that game. Yes, so, yeah, love it. You're okay. You're in good company I also then. played Witcher on Switch okay. and I... You know, played Mario Kart with friends and family and, you know, really just simple, fun games that, that don't really have any sort of invested consequence. So okay. I haven't really dabbled into any big games or, or dove into any big games for, for quite some time. I've got my eyes on Ashes of Creation. I think that that's a, an exciting project, whether they'll be able to pull it off in any meaningful way or, you know, true colors of the dev team will start to show once they get closer to release. But um, no, it's... I'm not a I'm not a great gamer. Um, I've definitely been 
more on the creation side of things for longer than I've ever been interested in actually playing games. So do you but find I think yourself... I know what gamers like to do. You did so, well. Okay, uh... so what you've developed, yes, I would have to say you have an odd knack to to understand the complexities <laughs> of what gamers look for, what gamers need, and that um, replayability factor, right? So, I think, but my sort of the secret mm -hmm. weapon, I mean, it's not so secret, is that the other half of the development team, you know, the founding team is is a guy named Luthius. Mm -hmm. And Luthius has a very well-read gamer's mind. Um, he's a really unique combination of someone who can look at uh, playability, um, engagement, and also progression. And he pulls from a lot of different games that he's played without ripping them off uh, and implements those sorts of ideas into Outlands. So a lot of what's successful of Outlands has very little to do with me and a lot more to do with him and his sort of creative direction in terms of, of gameplay. Okay. So I'd lean on him. Um, absolutely. Well, all right. So, so, okay. So from your perspective, then you have more of the artistic nature and that's, that's, you know, everyone has a place. Everyone, everyone has their role to make greatness. Right. And the old saying behind every phenomenal man is a good woman. Um, and I'm not, but, 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 oh my God, I just realized what I did there. I am not saying he is your female, but what I'm saying is in just reference of context, you know, but nothing is done solely by that person. Jeff Bezos has not become who he's become because it's Jeff Bezos. Um, you know, there's always someone that is the driving force to say, Hey, it's a rough day today. Put, you know, let's put those boots back on, get out there and let's, let's, let's start the next day. Um, yeah, for sure. I think there's definitely a a really clear collaboration between Luthius and I. That's and awesome. one of one of the original sort of contracts that we've made with each other was that I would focus on the map and he would have nothing to do with it and he would focus on mechanics and I'd have nothing to do with that. And how, of course how does that those work? It, I mean <laughs> the foundation is laid and often you know when we get into disputes with each other you know we bring the contract up. But it's uh, very much been a really healthy collaborative relationship in terms of you know I have an idea and I bring it to him in grandiose terms. And, you know, I'm, I'm dreaming about something or I'm imagining something or I'll, I'll spec it out on a map and, you know, make a mock of how I imagine things happening. Okay. And then I download all of that onto him and he digests and sifts through, you know, my brain dump and comes up with this actual system, this playable idea that like fits reality. into Ultima Online, okay. like reality, exactly. So, so I have, you know, dumb ideas. I'm the, I'm the dreamer, okay. I guess. I mean, he's a dreamer it. too, but it's definitely more of a technical dream than me. I think more in terms of like, you know, I want players to be able to, you know, breed mounts and, you yes. know, the colors change and that system evolves. And, you know, I don't know how to do it, but I just imagine like, you know, horses fucking and coming up with new colors. And all of a sudden there's a system for mount breeding. I love it. And it's, you know, built in stages and layers and it's methodical and there's progression and that's, where Luthius comes into the into the, uh, so, the picture. So so from gaming, um, when you did play uh, the game like UO, um, did you find yourself more as a crafter gatherer? Were you the guy who sat at the Britannia uh, uh, blacksmith <laughs> and and touted your wares? Or... No, I was a bank sitter at Vesper Bank. Oh, so, okay, uh, same no, difference. No, no, no. I can go. <laughs> I can start from the beginning there. So UO came out in 1997, and yep. I didn't get into it until 1999. I was a member of an online community, sort of an early online community for a an artificial intelligence game called Creatures. I don't know if you remember that. Um, basically, you could raise these little animals in space, and they would breed with each other, and they would end up looking different, and they had different characteristics and personality traits. And basically, yes. it was like an AI simulator that yes. was masked under sort of a cute sprite. Yes. So, you know, 11-year-old me at summer camp, Mac, at the, like the local Mac shop in my small hometown, um, got into Creatures. So I joined this online gaming community um, for Creatures, just so you could, you know, download new sprites, new worlds, whatever. And so I'm 12, I guess, or 13 years old at this point, and I meet this girl, her name was Ashley, and she said, you have to play this new game called Ultima Online. And I was like, what is that? She's like, you can be a wizard, and you can talk to each other, and you can all play together, and you know, you can do things that impact the world. And I was like, wow, that sounds really amazing. It's a great description, Having been too. a fan of, like, you know, the online community and the interaction that you could have with people on the internet and being a nerd, you know, a tech-savvy little kid, yep. essentially. Um, I remember we bought our first computer, and I sat on my dad's lap while he plugged in all the cables, and he didn't know how to turn it on, so I found the button, and, you know, I could type before he could. But that was me. You know, I really gravitated towards tech. Right. So Ultima Online arrives i think i ordered it through the same store where i did this computer camp and i was so excited to get it um i think at that point it was the second age edition so i got the t2a oh, yeah. version yep. of the game yep 
and I convinced my mom to buy it for me and I couldn't convince her to pay the subscription fee. Because at that point you owe us fifteen dollars. You had to put your credit card on the internet. It was all new territory for someone who Yes. Yeah, like my mom still has an air gap on her business computer. You know, she's worried that someone's gonna hack in and steal the books for their, you know, small town wow. construction company. So difficult to convince her to put her credit card online. So I started to do some internet research and I think UO was one of the first games that really had a modding community. And, you know, the emulation community for UO grew really quickly from the game. And I immediately found myself involved in that community. Wow. I think, I mean, now that I say it out loud, I think I just gravitate towards online communities and, and what those offer for people in general. Um, but there was a free server called Sentinel Heights at that point. It was run on Sphere. Um, it's called TUS. I think it was TUS48E was the emulator at that point. And it was a, essentially a Trammel free shard with a really dedicated administrative team who I think they were both on disability. It was a husband and wife. The wife was deaf as far as we knew um, in real life. And that's why she gravitated towards online communities because she could communicate with people more clearly. Easily, right, yeah. And wow. they yeah. had really created something special there. It was a very small community, but it was very creative. And they were always trying to do new and interesting things. And they really used UO uh, as a framework to create the world that they wanted to make. Mm. I, I mean, I'm sure they were they had played official servers at some point or really early on, but just felt that it wasn't for them with the, the PVPs and the PVP yeah. and everything else. That was a big else. break that point for a lot of people was PVP yeah, back then. It just wasn't making for an enjoyable experience, so they created created the antithesis of that. And it was a fun place to play. You could have, there was no skill cap. There was wild colors. Um, they had reward systems that you could play in game, complete quests. They had this system called the Icon Quests, and they'd created all these different NPCs that were at the points of interest on the original map, which were never really used. And you could go and, you know, kill a a knight at the crossroads and he would drop an icon and if you collected enough icons you could turn them in for gems and the gems would get you really overpowered weapons they oh had wow a gray really sword and a smite bow and you know you could dye your armor whatever color you wanted from a dye tub and it was really just a fun young trammel safe experience you know my parents were comfortable with me as a 12 year old or 13 year old spending time on the internet in this environment and right you know the internet was new so and scary. Do you, do you think man. what kept you playing the game was more the gameplay or the community? Or was well, at it that both? point, at that point, it was definitely the community. But I liked the game. You know, you could you could have an avatar and you could role play and you could be whoever you wanted to be. And you know, I liked the idea of having a pet that you commanded and that you could have a house that you could decorate. And for all intents and purposes, I was a trammy. You know, that's the term we use now to refer to uh, someone yeah. who actually just enjoys the game for you know, all intents and purposes just to enjoy the game. More PVE-oriented kind of... Uh, yeah, more it's, it's, it's like oriented right? Like, it's so yeah, like a yeah, bad I mean, thing, Trammy's, but it's not. Trammy's become associated with a bad thing. Yeah. But really, we just associate with being a Trammy as someone who's, you know, not toxic and not, you know, you don't... Your sole reason for playing the game isn't to ruin the game for anyone else, essentially. So... You're, you're very passive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah, I mean, that was my mentality playing this server initially. And I grew out of it. You know, I became more interested in actually playing the game and learning how to PvP and wanting to become good at the game. So I left that server behind and eventually broke out into a bunch of other free servers. Um, notably, another one was called um, Met Metropolitan or Metropolis, and then Novus Opiate Seclorum, which was really large at that point. I actually know one and of the runners of Novus. Yeah, so those yeah. servers became sort of the founding ideals of me in the Ultima Online world. And I kept in touch with some people from Sentinel Heights, which eventually became another server called Epsilon Eridani, and then it became Oblivion. And Oblivion became the largest um, Trammel server yep. online. I know that one. And the developer, uh, his name was Arast, became a close friend of mine, and we keep in touch to this day. And he put in a lot of work converting their source code from Sphere over to RunUO, and then they actually did some you know, more interesting things with their game after that. Um, so when I turned 16, I decided that I should face the real world and I got my driver's license and, you know, social life started to evolve in some way Girls, and I focused woo! more on graduation. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I tried to, um, you know, I wanted to 
experience everything that high school had to offer and um from canada so we don't refer to it as like senior year but senior year i definitely you know i left gaming behind and really just tried to focus on my schoolwork and also um my real life right and i left uo behind when i was 16 and then i didn't pick it up again until i was 20 and at that point i moved away from home i live on the east coast of the u.s now and erast messaged me and he said you know, there's this mapping program now for UO. You can download this program and you can build a world. Because I'd always kind of dabbled with building things in the game um, with the GM tools, which are always really cumbersome. Very and cumbersome. Like, there's this program called Centered that you can create a world. And I guess he thought of me as a, you know, someone who was creative and had a pension for doing these things. And I picked it up and I immediately just started dabbling. And the initial plan was that Aras and I were going to launch a server. And I would build the map and he would code it. He's now a professional C-sharp developer. Um, he learned C-sharp from the game. And wow. I thought that would be a great collaboration. So I'd spent a lot of time in my youth, you know, trying to convince people to do a project with me. Like, you know, I've got an idea. We should do a server. But I had no skills to offer other than just being, you know, someone who is keen to be in charge, which is, you know, a fun idea until the reality strikes of actually being in charge. And it's not really that fun. Um, but now I had a skill set or was developing a skill set. So... Around that time, I was working on a project called Icrontic, where I was an administrator with a guy named Morton. Um, at, he ran a website called Apu's Hardware, and it converted into Icrontic Hardware. And he was based out of Tallahassee, Florida, and he was hosting the server, and I was working on it with him, and he ended up getting shot, murdered, oh. and the project obviously faded away. Um, Icrontic at that point was one of the largest Ultima Online servers ever. You know, we were hitting peaks of 1,200, 1,300 players online, and it was the buggiest piece of shit awful server you've ever played on. I don't know why anyone played it. They probably played it because it was so buggy, and you know it was just like a grief for awful, horrible, imbalanced paradise for players. And right. they jumped on because um, Icrontic had a big following, and Abu's Hardware had a big following, and they, they basically took their forum community and said, like, we're all playing you, oh, you should jump in, this is fun. So I was completely out of my depths and quickly left all that behind. And Icrontic evolved into a server called Neverlands, which is still online. It's one of the top POL servers, as far as POL servers go, um, hosted in the Netherlands. So I'm dabbling with maps at this point, just, just fiddling around and really doing it alone. I'd kind of left the community behind. I wasn't interested in getting involved after being involved in Icrontic anymore and wasn't really playing anywhere kind of keeping the peripheral vision on the community in place, like reading Azeroth's blog as he was making Emporialem and, you know, the ideas that he was writing down that I thought were really cool and taking you in a new direction. Right. Of course, paying attention to like the, what the fuck man crew and what they were doing. Oh and, yeah. Um, then I saw a post on Reddit and it was about Ancorp and Ancorp was a free server that was launching that was sort of built on the ashes of Emporialem and Emporialem really started as sort of a, a family of servers, and they had a specific direction of PvP, which is kind of like a hybrid T2A era mountless PvP, and that spawned a family of shards that followed a similar rule set. Right. So there was Emporialem, Emporialem 2, then that closed, and then Relpor opened, Relpor 2, which I ended up contributing some map work to, and Luthius actually worked on Relpor, um, Relpor 1 as well. And then Ancorp, sort of, <laughs> Ancorp is obviously the resurrection um, words of power in the spells of the game. And Ancorp arrived and then closed. And then Ancorp 2 arrived and closed 18 months later. And I had seen a Reddit post that Luthius had made advertising a new expansion on Ancorp 2. And I thought for the first time there was a developer or a server that was doing something that appealed to me in terms of creativity, but also the level of um sort of professionalism and development that i would hope that i would be able to deliver at this point in my life right so luthius became my mark of who i wanted to run a server with and okay. i didn't really make it clear to him at that point that, that was my intention of you know um stealing him away from ancorp to work on something with me but i approached ancorp too about being involved in doing some map work for them and met their developer or their administrator named abagor who invited me into their staff channel and I started to do some map work for them. And what I witnessed when I joined that community was basically that it was crumbling from the inside out. You know, the, the staff was, they were so toxic with each other that there's no hope that that server would ever last. Beyond oh, you got the corrosion the from the inside out. 
yeah they had a, they had a lot of corrosion i think because they'd been to war you know like they right. really they all had ptsd about um what was happening to them you know being attacked and the constant ddos attacks and just trying to keep this server online they right. spent a lot of time with this passion project and it was just being destroyed by outside forces and that's extremely disheartening for any development team yeah so i kept in touch with luthius after ancorp closed and i kept mapping and he took about a year off between ancorp 2 ending and me approaching him and saying hey i'm working on this map um was wondering if you're doing anything right now <laughs> and so it was like this like shot you just shot in the dark he shot your shot you just walked you just kind I, of... I shot my shot i figured i had nothing to lose but also knew i had something to offer right because i was working on this map now and it was you know it was shaping up to be something that was playable and was interesting and you know it was nowhere near the initial offering that we had on outlands but it was definitely something that was well done compared to what other custom map servers were doing now at this point in in your in your brain are you looking at it as um man i got something or are you looking at like hey i've got you know you're selling are you selling dreams or are you like dude i have a reality right now that can grow or is it like hey what if we kind of collaborate yeah, was, i mean it was i mean it was really a, a what if i think at that point okay. i was really feeling like i had already spent you know five thousand hours building a map right if I didn't actually let other people play on it, I'd wasted so much time of my life that it needed to be something. Okay. I mean, that or makes I was, sense. Or I was going to leave it all behind. And I, you know, I have high standards of who I wanted to collaborate with. And if it wasn't going to be the best project that I could deliver, then I didn't really want to be involved with it. Okay. So I approached him and I was like, well, what are you working on? And we just kept it as an open conversation of, you know, collaborative conversation. He was working on things like the aspect system and the vendor overhaul and the new housing menu on that, you know, eventually made it onto live outlands. And I was working on creating the landmass and building the capital city. And, and these were the dungeons and these, these are the ideas that I'm working on. And we literally were just in a hangouts conversation, you know, Google hangouts conversation, yep. sending each other back and forth, creative inspiration. Okay. And he would say, I'm working on this. And I'm like, you know, well, what if we did it this way? Or what if you, have you thought about doing it this way? And I'd send him my map and he'd say, you know, that's like pretty tight to play in. You know, you, you should open that area up a bit. It would be more interesting or, you know, everything needs, you know, it's a bit monotone if you considered adding some other colors to it. Or you know, it was, it was a really healthy, creative relationship where we got to know each other and we got to know each other's styles. And finally, we just decided that we would launch Outlands. And Outlands was a term that was coined. He came up with the name. I wanted to call it New World, um, just because it was a new world. That name. makes sense. At that point, but he, Luthius was like, we're going to call it Outlands. And at that point, Outlands was born. Now, so, now at this point in your at this point in the story, like where you're at in your development, you guys have said, okay, we've got a map. We've got a very serious map that's, that's tuning out to be what it is today, if not a lighter version um he's working on these different uh styles uh new styles or new mechanics to integrate into this new world you guys are developing now i noticed uh when i logged into this world it looked like i was like damn Mar, that looks like transic that looks like britannia yeah. now when when you were developing this in your mind or your capacity were you thinking of a storyline were you developing something in your mind were you like, take us through that kind of train of thought. Like, when you're saying, I'm going to make Britannia, but it's going to be effed up. It's going to be a nuclear <laughs> fallout. Or it's going to be, like, extrapolated from a new shard. And, and when it when when the sh I went through the shard, it wasn't the same, but what it was the same. Like, what it, on the creative purpose of that, where were you at? Were you thinking of story five years from now? Or were you thinking momentarily in that moment? I was thinking visually, mostly. You know, okay. making things that were visually appealing. Um I spent a lot of time doing research and other custom map projects and looking at them and asking their map developers if there were bits and pieces that I could pull and borrow from or, you know, borrow artwork or use new things. I was really just interested in creating the most interesting, visually interesting project that I could. Okay. But one thing that I was really cognizant of was that people play Ultima Online now, you know, 24 years later, because they're nostalgic for certain things. Yes. You know, they had really amazing experiences intrinsic, like you say, or Britain was their home bank, as you say. That was and, mine. <laughs> yeah. So I knew that there were definitely things that I could pull from um, that would make like inspiration. the game appealing for people, or they would feel comfortable, or they would recognize something. Like, you know, this is, I, 
you know, like that deja vu feeling you get, like I've been here before, I've felt this before, I know what this is like. There are certain parts of the Outlands map that inspire those same feelings. And oh, that no. was definitely a conscious bro, bro, decision. I'm literally sitting at the bank of Cambria and I'm going, I'm on stream, okay? And I'm like, just enthused. Like I had a buddy of mine, he's like, hey, and it's so funny because they say streamer, streamer privilege. And I'm like, God, you know what? Yes, fine. But let's not talk about it. It's like Fight Club. <laughs> um, but I'm sitting there and my buddy is like, I'm not playing right now. You know, I'm kind of taking my time off. I got work. I got a house that you can borrow. Now me, I'm thinking it's a house I've been in for like three or four days. I've got my, my rune book that someone gave me. That's, that's, in, you know, that's non-droppable. It's blessed. And a house comes my way and I'm like, okay, I have no idea. There's a housing crisis of 2020, right? I mean, none of this is, none of this is, I'm privy to this. So I'm just thinking it's my buddy helping me out. Now people are logging in. Here's 5k, here's 50k. And I'm starting to build wealth, right? unbeknownst to me that it was just kind of like, Hey, it's cool to have people streaming this, get the news out, get another voice from a different place to talk about it, to bring in more people. And it did. In fact, I brought like about 20 or 30 people with me, um, over the uh, next coming month of time played. Right. But, but it's funny cause I'm, I'm sitting there and live on stream, I'll go, you know, what the fuck, man, I've been here. Why does this yeah. shit look familiar <laughs> to me? And someone types in chat, um, do you not know the history of the shard? I'm going, no, enlighten me. And they go, go here. This is like kind of Britannia. So I go over there in prep and I'm like, holy shit. And now I'm wandering around for like an hour and a half. People are giving me a virtual tour of all of the cool things from the old school map from, you know, uh, what they call retail, uh, that, that how it translates over to Outlands. And today, today, like if I log in today, I'm bound to see something that does strike that very, very deja vu. And I think that's a big draw for people. Right. For sure. Because you're not you're not imitating. You have no. elaborated on a new style of map. And that sure. I think is and that goes along with so many different things. So, I mean, just because we're on the map right now. But, you know, that to me is one of the things that hook, line and sinker. I've been reeled in. And that's yeah, where the a lot, enthusiasm like, comes from. Yeah, I think if you were to ask people why they play Outlands, you know, no offense to, to Luthius and what he's done majority of people would say that it was the map that that got them in the door you know, they hear custom map and they see screenshots or they see a streamer that's playing or a video on youtube and the map just looks better than uo has ever looked before yep and i try to navigate this fine line between a visually appealing map and also something that's playable because we aren't a walk and talk role-playing shard where you know you're off exploring some ruin and there's absolutely nothing to do and no threat but you're chatting about it you know you're living yeah. your role-playing life yeah. there's actual yeah. playable elements of it where you know you will encounter monsters or you're doing a treasure map here like the world is alive in terms of player encounter and also player activity so um, to touch on what you just said player activity i want to dive into this magical um aspect that is completely from my understanding player driven and then supported by you guys as devs there is a whole effing clan of people who are role play orcs <laughs> yeah. so so let me let me let me give you guys a mental picture who's listening so i'm sitting here one day and i'm i'm in twitch and this is i mean we're in twitch this is irl how the hell do you role play irl but aside just being an irl um, and if I say IRL again, punch me in the throat. Um, but uh, I'm sitting here and someone comes in and like, good dog. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Wow. And someone goes, no, bro, I'm an orc. And his name is, you know, da 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 orc. And it's like, he's become a great friend. And, and, you know, and it's funny. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, every Saturday night we do this orc thing. And I'm going, oh, this is some like half-ass shitty role-playing thing on the server. So then I find out the house that was given to well, my brother lent it to me because he stopped playing because he's ADHD with games worse than me. He's like, dude, you got the house. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go around and travel. I don't really know. I teleport everywhere. That's I, that's that's the bane of, of teleport books, but also the beauty. So I'm like, I want to go old school. Let's get on my little, you know, llama and, and, and haul ass. I walk over and I'm like, what the hell is this lawless zone? Why am I gray? And what are these houses? And who are these people? And there's all these questions that are like pinpointing, right? And then somebody comes up on street and goes, that's, that's our, that's our city. And I'm like, your city? So, oh yeah, yeah. That's where all the orcs live. They buy houses and they stay there. And, they, 
And then I was like, okay, this is getting serious. So Saturday night, I end up going into a, uh, a dungeon and everyone's sitting out there on one side of it and they're doing the old school back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, oh, it's PVP. I'm ballsing up. I'm a summoner. Gear up, do all my cool stuff, get all my pets summoned, give them their little things to make them stay longer. And I walk through and all of a sudden there are people dressed in orcs and there's like 50 of them and I get melted. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, it's the orc masses. And bro, it, I mean, this is like three weeks into it. And, I, and, and, and that is what I love about outlands and the server that you guys have given birth to and have nurtured over two years um it takes dedication to do anything for more than 21 days right but to go two years and to have you guys just had the big event for the king's fair that was absolutely fantastic um it, you guys are doing things with the team that you have and i believe you said what yours 12 of you and uh, it's what nine uh what do you say four devs two admins and uh the rest, the rest is not, yeah, the rest are support and stuff. So to have a team to do this, you equate to what these small firms are putting games out now. Now I know it's, it's a UO-esque. It's not very like, I don't know, ground breaking on graphics, but what you guys have done with what you have, you've, you've polished a ruby into like a diamond kind of thing and i'm not trying they to focused on gameplay well, and that's one thing that a lot of folks don't realize in the community and yeah. that and and what do they call that you guys are you know the ogs the original yeah. and we need them back so well, a lot of these games that are out are just cracked like they just don't get it they think it's graphics that's going to keep keep a community there and they spend all this money and forget about the essence of what makes a game or a community Really it's it's been awesome. I mean, it has been awesome. Now, I, and it's funny because you know when I first came, I'm like, well, who's the big dog? I want to talk to him. Like, I just want to kind of see because whenever you get on free charge, you're like, okay. Back at our chat. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, do you want to talk? I'd love to talk with you. Maybe kind of do an interview because I do that. I love that. I love if I love something, I need to tell people about it. And the best way to do that is is well, now that we have the podcast, it's easier. You don't have to be on uh, a camera. It's more comfortable. Um, if there's a slip up or an edit, we can go, Hey, post-production fix that. Right. But if it's live on Twitch, it's kind of hard to do. Um, so that's why this has been a great outlet, but I will say this and I, and I say this with the utmost confidence that I will in 10 years, not look back and go, Oh shit, that was cringy. But I love what you guys are doing. I love what you've done. And that's one of the reasons why we've kind of got to gamers corner, uh, sweets and myself was because he comes from a community aspect. I'm that guy who wants to play a community game, but be the, the hermit that no one goes and the village idiot i have the ability to play with my community but i choose to be an outlying principal and i kind of play the game my way and and i and, I, I, and it causes me to look at games differently and so i was always like well hell this game why do they do this no one knows outlands why what what the hell they have a br in outlands why the hell and where the hell did that come from right and i played it by the way that shit is not easy um but it's fun um and uh, Strange Lands, and by the way, shout out to Trammy Surprise. I guess he won this last one uh, last weekend, so he's super, super stoked and super excited about that. He's so close to, I guess, a big mount or something. But uh, um, but I fell in love with him. I, I watch him. And, and the community that you guys have been very blessed with, and, and you don't take advantage of it, right? Because there is a cash shop. You know, you can buy coins. I've bought a lot of coins um, <laughs> uh, for giveaways, uh, for personal use. But you guys have found a, a mature way to take an economy, which is one of the hardest things to do in new, old, and everything in between games, is economy. And you have found ways to extrapolate money properly. I mean, the, I hate your lotto. I'll never win it. Uh, I play it a lot. But, you know, um, but you found ways responsibly to extrapolate the cash that's consistently farmed. Because let's be honest, what do you do? You log on. There are no real dailies. You go and you grind. If you don't PVP, you're going to grind. And, you know, and there's this consistent grind, but where does it all go? I mean, great. I have billions of gold for what? But you've made ways to kind of buy this or do that or, you know, and it's so, I think by doing these extra things that you guys have done for mechanics in the game, it's kept it healthy. And I think that's one of the reasons it's still being successful. Um, and, and I, I think it's one of the most not thought about things when developing a game. Is that something that should, or was it, or do you think it just kind of happened naturally economy? Did that ever come up in discussion going, dude, we've played it. What are we going to do all the money? 
we can't you know land is where it's at unless you plan on making a second coming of outlands like you've somebody discovered another part of the map or whatever storyline you have to expand that map for players um like how do you guys come to those perspectives like hey man we got to do something about the economy what's the best way to trick people into giving us money back that they worked really hard for right? yeah i mean i think one thing that outlands does is really um hides the data-driven aspect of gameplay from players right so on the you know behind the scenes we're looking at daily audits and we can see every purchase on a vendor and we can see um you know gold stored in an account and gold stored in a house and we have these tallies that we look at and and regulate on a daily basis so when things are getting high um even things like item counts or you know unused accounts things like that we sit around and talk about how we can make a dent in that sort of in the, in those categories of the game so there's, so you a, there's an active thought process there. there is an act absolutely cool. it's it's, it's a huge part of our server management that goes on behind the scenes okay um beyond what's front facing and what players interact with you know things like you mentioned the king's fair which was an idea that we had it expo was like we should do a summer festival because we had a bit of a dry spell in terms of offering events for players and yep. uh, we launched king's fair last year and it was an idea that Expo had come up with who tossed it over to me and I thought, okay, I'll make a little map. We were gonna do like five fair games that you could play. And like the first one was Axe Toss that we came up with. And then I thought we'd do jousting and maybe an archery competition. And we ended up, uh, Luthies was like, you're gonna kill me. We did 10 different events, little fair games that you could go to and yeah. each ticket to play was 500 gold. And for us, the joy that we got out of making King's Fair, you know, superseded any amount of economic, um, you know, control that we were implementing into the game. Right. And we think of King's Fair as being like peak UO. You know, it's one of the most enjoyable, hilarious, fun experiences that we've ever seen in Ultima Online. And we love doing it. And we did it again this year and we built upon it. And we had 15 different games that players could do. And we had you know, new community driven ideas and, and content. And there were some games that people could play together. And we also had a fortune teller that That's hinted cool. at future events and gave you a buff. And also yeah. we're now commissioning new artwork from a team of artists that we have. So we had new art that players could purchase with their Prevalia coins, which, you know, helps keep Outlands online. Um, but what really people didn't know or what the secret and success of the King's Fair was is that we sunk 25% of the total gold on the server during the 10 days that King's Fair was online. Wow. So people were playing the game, you know, they're buying tickets. And this year they were 2,500 GP a pop, I think, or 2,000. I forget two, now. I think they were 2K. Yeah, 2K. Because I bought a lot of them because I was second place uh, up until the, third, the last day and I was third place for jousting. So. so between the King's Fair and the lotto that we held that week, which uh was ridiculous it got up to like 50 million gold which is a 50 50 so if the player wins 50 million gold you know that 50 million's just been deleted straight off the server we were able to sink 25 percent of the total gold on the, on the shard wow so economic measures like that go into play but you had fun doing it while we were managing that and yeah, that's what i'm you saying know, you guys have found out like a a weird chemistry here that and and as as a consumer and also as a a content creator i i look at things uh not just a perspective of gameplay but also how it how it works they made a, a great show uh on discovery channel right how it's made it's the same right. concept and that's how i look at things like not necessarily how you're doing the ones and zeros but why are they doing this? Okay, it, it jumped because like I, there were so many people on a server, right? And then the muck, oh my god, the muck event was probably aside from the great costume event, the muck event was too good. Like it was so <laughs> abusive, like uh, Family Guy abusive with comedy uh, that it, yeah. it started up with like three people uh, save the mucks too. When you logged in, there was like twenty people there at all times having debates about why the mucks were important and how. And I, when you can do something like that or get something done like that with a product you've created you've got something and and it's, that's phenomenal in my opinion there's a lot of that sort of stuff stems from how in contact we are with our community right it's one of the joys of having a small tight-knit group of staff first of all who communicate on a regular basis but also how ingrained i am in the community and how often i communicate with our community leaders in terms of you know guilds but also you know we have like 
Rydia in chat who makes memes and does these amazing art, you know, little projects and shares them and makes cartoons. And she's the one that was really behind the whole muck thing. You know, she had, uh, was an early adopter of using mucks in the game and the muck mythology and lore became bigger than the actual muck creature itself. And yeah. that's why we thought we'd do Whack-A-Muck. And, you know, the, it's like, it's like stealth marketing. You know, right. when you, when you plant these seeds in different places and things take off or like there's the, uh, the outrage or, you know, the legs that we got from making Whack-A-Muck and how much people talked about it and how many people visited the fair and how many people bought tickets to Whack-A-Muck. Oh, dude, I how did. How many people protested or streamed <laughs> the protest or talked yes. about the protest. It was like, it was worth its weight in, right. in gold. It was, it was so productive for us in that sense, but it was also an amazing gold sink for the server economy. And, you know, that's how we thought of it. That's awesome. Initially, it was like, how can we disguise something that's going to be really beneficial for the server, but also be really fun for people to play? You, you were able to become Apple for that that sheer moment, right? Yeah. I mean, we exactly. can trick millions of people every year to buy a $1,200 phone and make them right. think they're getting something better. So right. that's phenomenal. So now, that being said, so covering that and kind of how you look at that, how are you looking personally? And what I mean by personally is um, how, how what, what is your mental... Uh, growth as where we're going to be in a year do you see yourself possibly wanting to expand the map or 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 do you see where you're at you're quite content but yet massaging certain things such as i mean like and i'm not looking for like a first off here i'm not going to hold you to it and uh, there can be a disclaimer we can put in but i mean i'm talking theory here right i'm not talking uh solidified reality but like when you're the dream saying you're the dreamer like we said in the beginning what what do you want or what would you like, I should say, what would you like to see the future of, of your baby, right? I mean, we always want to see our kid grow up, but you're at that walk and talking two-year-old stage. What are you looking to do now that that maturity is starting to kind of uh, marinate really well? Do you have a new map or do you have, <laughs> like, I mean, what do you think? Because you've done some changes in the last couple patches, right? Um, yeah, so the my struggle is that I'm a, perfectionist and I always want to do the best work that I can and the initial map took so long to build and like literally I have back problems in carpal tunnel because of how much effort I put into making the outlands map a reality and because I hold myself to such a high standard I always just say that if I was to make a map expansion it would take me a long time because it would need to meet that level of, of quality and that's one thing where I think the retail servers really went wrong um, you know if you look at the future map expansions that they put out some parts of it look like they cared about it, but other parts look like they were built by a three-year-old, you know, with a box of crayons. Auto-generated. Auto, well, the yeah, the initial map was definitely procedurally generated. It was developed with code that's been confirmed, and that's why it's so boring and blocky and, um, you know, it has redeemable qualities for sure, and we're all nostalgic for certain things. But when you go back from Outlands and look at the original map, it really looks poor. Okay. And if I was to release a map expansion, it would need to be a similar level of craftsmanship that the initial map had and that just really takes a long time and it's hard for me to find that amount of time while i'm also running the server so so is it I, like are you thinking micro transactional if you were ever to do anything like that so i.e i've seen some really cool like sunken um areas that you know uh you could totally put a castle on so it's not full map redesign or addition and that's but where it's... stuff happens you know okay. we're doing that already and we have in the history of of the server um one of the main areas that see frequent changes and expansions is in the dungeons yes uh, we released ossuary 4 which is technically now ossuary 3 because of another recent map change that connected the small first level with the second level um and that was a big server-wide event that drove you know a certain number of artifacts had to be recovered over a week-long period and once the archaeological society reached their threshold that new dungeon opened automatically and you know it unleashed a new a new area the hardest area on the server which is now the most popular area on the server for for players to play yes so you know looking at the success of that i also made some recent changes to help make the dungeons feel less linear there was a lot of concern that players had and i was really resistant to this for a long time because i'm just stubborn and and i thought the dungeons were fine but Essentially, it was you know you're on a path with very little options of how you can veer off that path. You know, from level one to level two to level three, and then the bosses at the end. And you could be 
you could be cornered and you could be locked down and PKs could be coming and you have nowhere to go just because there was no left or right turn. You were on your straight path. Right, right. Yep. So, and that, that, but you've done good with that, man. Like Osprey is my favorite dungeon by far because there is such a diversity of in and out. It's yeah, Osprey was... The, Osprey was the first dungeon that I ever built. It was one of those original concepts where I thought, you know, I'm going to do a sandstone dungeon. This is going to be, you know, new. And <laughs> right. it, I built it and it was one of my favorites. And it was one of the, it was the first dungeon that we opened in beta for testing. It, you know, it was the first theme that we fleshed out. And initially when we were doing beta testing, I used to cut out the whole map so that people could only see Shelter Island. And then we'd have gates to different dungeons mm -hmm. because I was so worried that someone would steal the map and put it on a server and release it really quickly without all the bells and whistles that we were working on. So I'd have the people who are testing the map sign NDAs. It was more just a show of force to say, you know, please don't fuck us over because right. we're working really hard on this. Right. Um, so Ostwari was the first one that we really started on. And Ostwari has always been really popular because it's in close proximity to a town. It's also most accessible for new players because it's beginner mobs like, you know, wraiths and skeletons and skeleton archers and, you know, really simple stuff for players to tackle once they've left Shelter Island and the new player dungeon. So it was the natural place for me to think, you know, if I was to expand a dungeon, what would which dungeon would I look at first? And okay. it was Ossuary. And Ossuary was ripe, mostly because as we were developing the eight dungeons that we had, we made them progressively more difficult. So Ossuary was really easy. And then as we went down the line, like Darkmire Temple and Mausoleum and all of those dungeons became a little bit more challenging. So Ossuary in its position was the easiest, even on level three. So we decided that we would make Ossuary four and that would be the hardest content on the server in a dungeon. We wow. also, I mean, we opened Cavernum shortly after. It was yep. like January of 2019 i guess that was a huge event there were like 500 people rolling through that dungeon which is probably the most players that have ever been in a dungeon on any mmo at any you know single time and that event was a shit show but people still remember it as being great i remember it as i never want to do it again there were you know we crashed four times it was horrible <laughs> it stemmed right. all the changes for the aspect system and how now um players don't actually lose their aspect gear because through all of those crashes players were losing millions of dollars of items and Yes. Anyway, I'm now looking, you know, I made some great changes to Mausoleum 3. Now that's much less linear and much more playable. Um, I changed Inferno level 1 so that you don't have to run around the concentric rings just to get into level 2. So now you can just take some steps and, and hop down. Um, Palma 3 now has two exits so you don't get trapped as easily by people um, cornering you at the dead end. So the future of that, um, Outlands just released our development pipeline. It's something that players kind of cling to as the Bible of the future of Outlands and what we're working towards. Right. And we had released a pipeline previously and we got like 90% of it finished. There are a few outline things that Luthius didn't tackle. Really depends on sort of what's inspiring him and what we feel is priority in terms of what the player base is looking for. And now we have dungeon expansions listed on the development pipeline as part of the future of Outlands. So in terms of map expansion, that's definitely, um, right now I'm actively focusing on getting those dungeon expansions finished, um, namely uh, expanding Nucero 3. Nucero is not a really popular dungeon. There's not enough mobs. It's not big enough, and it has that linear aspect to it. So I've got a, I've basically doubled the size of, of Nucero 3 already. That's finished, more wow. or less. Um, just fleshing out some deco ideas and then collaborating with Luthius and what he wants to do for monsters there. And then Mausoleum 4 is finished more or less the groundwork is laid to add probably what will be the toughest content on the shard uh when we made osprey 4 we really um overshot difficulty especially with the group that was testing um they said that it was too difficult so we toned it down and i kind of regret toning it down that was sort of my insistence luthius had done a really good job of it but i was worried that it was going to be too difficult unfun especially especially in uo because there's a fine line between being difficult and being annoying you know, if you're being one shot all the time and you have no chance of surviving, then it's not really hard. It's it's just not fun. If at you all. never have to go, you won't return. You know what I mean? If yeah. there's nothing driving you there, you're like, you know what, man? I'm good. Yeah, you know, I'm good. You may as well just farm the <laughs> demon loop and cavernum instead of putting yourself through that. But what players are really clamoring for now is more group content and thing that things that are harder. Right. Because we have, you know, there's um power creep in terms of progression from the mastery chain system and the aspect system that's allowing people to just decimate you know melt content with no challenge so they are seeking challenge but it's hard to balance the challenge and the difficulty and also the reward that makes people want to go there so muslim 4 is definitely on the docket nice. um 
a lot of people want uh, Darkmire to be less linear. So I'm trying to work out how that'll happen. Darkmire 3 is such a nice symmetrical dungeon that I'd hate to break it up just to make it more um, non-linear. Right. So I'm trying to work out how I can how I can make that happen in a nicer way, I guess. Okay. So right now I'm thinking like Darkmire 2.5 instead of Darkmire 4 or expanding Darkmire 3 just so that there's a bit of a, a middle level there. Right. I, I like really I, I like in Osprey how you have that hidden room off to the entrance. Well, it's not yeah. necessarily the entrance, but I, someone's like, you know, there's a hidden room. I'm like, dude, I've been in here for like 40 hours. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and literally, it was tucked away in such a in such a, a place. I was like, oh, this is badass. And then you go in there, and the mobs are kind of hard if you yeah. you know weren't up to spec. And so I went in there with my summoner. I was like, I got this. And I was like, I don't, I don't have this. And then you run out, and you're like, holy shit, a nightmare's on my face, and a lich, and oh, you know. So I think that got, that's one of the reasons why I've had a lot of my early on success in that and in, in the game is in that dungeon, and it's brought a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows and. And it's really good. But uh, so I am, I, I would love to have you back. Uh, we're getting close to that time. Um, and it's been a phenomenal kind of, and I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Like I said, we want to keep it relaxed. And um, like I said, it was really more about you and, and kind of how you got here. And um, and I thank you for opening up with us and, and sharing what you have shared with us. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be able to reach out again or I hit you up on Twitch and, you know, we could do something really cool on there, whatever. It's not a ploy to keep getting you to come back. But, you know, if you've enjoyed it, we'd love to have you back. And, and maybe we'll have one podcast specific for Outlands itself. Um, but, uh, you know, no, and my pleasure. And that's good. No, no, you're good. And, and what I want to do is I want to end this um, with uh, not in a bad way, but if you could change one thing in, in your start to start to today present, um, what would you have had done differently um, with yourself? Uh, setting expectations could be an answer. Um, I would like to have learned an earlier age, even though you were very young. Like, what's that one thing that if you could have, and I have zero regrets in my life. I am who I am, where I am, and how I am. And I got there by doing all the good things and the mistakes and the bad things that I did to get to today. So that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to end on that was if you have or had something that you... Um, uh, 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 would like to have either changed or done better, what would that be? It's a good question. I think if I was to look back sort of the trajectory of Outlands and how I've handled myself through the whole project, I think if I could have somehow been a bit less protective of the project and inserted myself less into scenarios that didn't involve an administrative point of view, mm -hmm. I probably would have um, enjoyed the early days a bit more. Instead of trying to micromanage interaction between the community or, you know, I would have let things play out on their own a bit more instead of, of interjecting myself into them. I think that would have, that would be the takeaway that I would take from this. I, w I wish to summarize it, I wish I could apply the nonchalance I have now about the community to the early days of Outlands. Oh, that's a good answer. Thank you. I, I like that. But I will say, like, again, don't regret anything because you got where you got today, right? So, um, well, dude, that's awesome. The formative, the formative months, for well, sure. <laughs> I mean, it would have saved some sleepless nights probably for yourself. But uh, as a I'm consumer, good. I'm glad you're, you're where you're at today and how you got here because, you know, I'm exactly. loving that. So, But, guys, you can obviously – we'll have some links in the podcast. Uh, so if you, if you, if you, if you want to look into this, obviously you can hit us up on Twitch. Uh, we stream that. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll get a discord link in the, uh, the subject area. If you haven't already seen it, and there'll be a link to the main page. And, uh, if you are an old school guy or girl or, you know, anything in between, however you decide to relate to it, uh, and you want to try to get that UO feel, but with something new and fresh, uh, this is definitely a place to stop out and check out. Um, and I can tell you that from personal experience. So, um, as we do here, we always end the podcast or Twitch with, you know, mental health is mental wealth. And we've decided to pick as we've promised, uh, a place that you can reach out to. Uh, we want to kind of tackle with them. Uh, this is going to be one of many type of sponsors uh, that we want to sponsor them unsolicited. We just believe in what they do. And um, 
uh, vets to me and sweets and i know sweets will agree don't feel afraid to pick up and talk up over me on this point uh sweets but operation valor is uh is something that we're going to kind of start pushing because i think it's really really important uh that uh, we show support for our troops um, and then also mental health is mental wealth we do here all the time every time every day if you guys need to reach out and talk to somebody uh you know you've got us but this is uh we're going to start looking at a couple different variances of of ways to get people help uh don't be ashamed if you're if you're mentally down, physically down. If you're down in general, you got to reach out. You've got to have community around you. Um, just like Owen said, and just like Sweet says, it may be a community online where you can kind of be yourself or communicate in a way that you can't in real life. That's great. Uh, latch onto it, enjoy it, uh, do it healthy, wealthy, and wise. Um, but guys, thank you so much, Owen. Thank you very much for your time. I do appreciate it. We went exactly thank 60 you, minutes. So thanks for having me. My pleasure, man. Thank you so much. And we'll cut here beautifully done now i need to save it before 